Welcome, Welcome to, to the Bible, Bible Talks, Talks with, with Josh, Josh and Heather. Heather. I did not know you were going to do that. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. I thought I'd switch it up since we're past the halfway episode. This is episode 51, and if you're interested in theology, but don't consider yourself a theologian and like people talking over themselves, <laughs> this is the show, show for, for you. you. <laughs> we're Josh and Heather Tice. We minister to and lead Southern Hills Church in Las Vegas. We love each other, love theology, and love to talk. We sure do, Josh. You can find this episode and previous ones on our iTunes podcast on KVXL 101.1 Experience Liberty Radio. All right. We always like to begin with a little fun. So, Heather, let's get started. I don't like fun. This episode is brought to you by Hope for My Hometown, which is a incredible resource you can purchase at DaveTice.com. It's a book actually written by my father, who happens to be your father-in-law. Yes, he's a nice person. We, we like him. Um, and he wrote that an, book is not dedicated to me, though. No, it's not. But it is a good book, and it's talking about church planting, but really more than just church planting. Say, so I'm not interested in church planting. Well, what's wrong with you? Number one, number two. <laughs> Even if you're not, it is a great book on how a family came to Las Vegas for the purpose of establishing a local church, which is a perfect um, segue to what we're actually talking about today, and that is the local church. That's what episode 51 is all about. But before we jump into that, you have a, we have a little, a little bit of fun we like to have in each episode, Heather, and, and uh, what is that that we have planned? I think today we're going to read the reviews. Oh, my word. I was going to have you read the reviews that we've gotten because... These are phenomenal. Okay, for those who listen to this on the radio station, um, online, or locally here in Vegas, uh, this is also a podcast. And there are a lot of people that are subscribed to this podcast. You can actually go on right to iTunes and subscribe and rate and review. And we just received several new reviews and would like to read those. I have not heard these yet, so I'm very excited to hear these along with our listeners. Yeah, okay. So Lay it on us, Josh. I'm, I'm excited. This one... Uh, is entitled stupendous. Ooh, yeah, stupendous. Now it, that word begins word. negative, <laughs> and it ends positive. Stoop. Yes. I'm thinking, oh no, and then they're like endus, and you're like, oh okay, yeah, I see where you're going with this. You know what I mean? <laughs> kind of. Okay, stupendous, and this is by Bulldog Folsom. Bulldog Folsom. My wife and I love this podcast. It is a fun, refreshing way to pass the time as we travel from state to state on deputation. Ooh, missionary. Oh. We love missionaries. Yes. Way to go, Bulldog. Folsom. Or church planner. Sure, could be. Um, Probably a missionary, though. We especially love the Bible content, the fun conversations, and the teamwork as a couple. Hey, Aww. we love you, Bulldog Folsom. These are awesome. Yeah. yeah. I love when couples listen. I like when families listen. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. When I said, we love you... Bulldog Folsom, you know what that reminded me of? What? You know that you remember that uh, movie Megamind? Yeah, I love that movie. That movie's hilarious. Megamind, where who who plays the uh, titular character in that? The main character? Yeah. Um, I don't know big words. Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. Okay. And and the the good guy, I forget. I think it's like Brad Pitt or something. Yeah. And there's this part where <laughs> where uh, he's the heroes in front of this giant crowd of you know citizens. And somebody yells out, "What? Do you remember the character's name? The hero, whatever his name is, I Super don't Superman." Yeah. He yell, they yell, out, "We love you, Superman!" And Metro he, Man. Metro Man. And he calls out, "I love you too, random citizen." <laughs> that was a long. Yeah, the payout wasn't real. Yeah, no, real I know, generous I either. <laughs> review. 
<laughs> review number story. the second review we'll talk about today. We just got this review in from uh, it says, "Oh, opening up great podcast." Yeah, All right. Bye. It's good it's stupendous. No, stupendous but is But I will accept great. We'll take it. <laughs> um Zethray. Zethray. That's like Death Ray. Yeah, I know. But with Very a Z. cool name. If that's really your name, that's fantastic. She says or he since I've found this podcast, I've greatly enjoyed the fun conversation as well as the simplistic doctrinal truths. I've found this to be an excellent way to spend my time as I do various things like wash the dishes or drive from place to place. I highly recommend giving it a try and bringing all the episode and binging all the episodes Ooh, you've missed. A binge recommendation. Now that is high praise. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, oh wait, they're not over. They give a smiley face and then they say, this podcast has literally changed my life. I'm going to continue living now. I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? I was like, oh my goodness, I'm starting to get concerned. Yeah. <laughs> oh my word. If this okay. podcast has changed your life, we need to counsel you. Maybe it has changed your life. Maybe it's fun. Yeah. But I hopefully not just helps you keep Hey, we on just living. want to bring a little bit of Bible and a little bit of smile. All right. Yeah. Last review that we have coming in here. This one says, ooh, this one's titled Amazing Podcast. Mm. Still hard to beat stupendous. You opened with the big word. Yeah. Well, but that last one had a lot of content and I appreciate all those thoughtful comments. I, I like this this person this person's name is this one's written by Yo 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 one three five seven nine. Yo yo yo. Yo 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 one three five seven nine. <laughs> and this person literally says, Love the podcast. <laughs> That's it. I will take it though. Oh no no, it goes on. Love love the podcast. Miss having you as our preacher. Ooh, so this is somebody Ooh. from Southern Hills or used to be, and now they go. Where did somewhere you go? Else. Yeah, why did you? Why leave? did you leave us? Why we did miss you? Get back here. Come back. What is your? <laughs> there are so many now unanswered I'm just questions. Sad. Yeah, now I'm sad. This was supposed to be fun, yo yo yo. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's no no no. I have no idea who this is. So why uh... did you go 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 yo yo yo? <laughs> Please never do that again. All right, today we're talking about ecclesiology. Whoa, that's a big word, Pastor Josh. What does ecclesiology mean? Ecclesiology means the doctrine of the church. Children, say it with us. The doctrine, doctrine of, of the church. church. What does this show become? Oh, my goodness. Episode 51. Maybe yeah. it's time for us to, you know, reemerge and rebrand. No, I'm talking about reinvent ourselves. Oh, is that what we're doing? Well, I guess we'll go with it and see what happens. Okay, ecclesiology. The word okay. ecclesiology is derived from the Greek word for church, ecclesia, and the word doctrine, logos. So, the doctrine of ecclesia, the doctrine of the church. You know, a lot of churches are calling themselves ecclesia. Have you have you seen these churches? Ecclesia church, they'll call I have themselves. I've not seen those. Which is a little silly because it's called like church church. Oh, that's kind of funny. Right. Come to ecclesia ecclesia or church church ecclesia church and it's like oh uh, okay well that's like wow, that's like uh the uh la la trattoria yeah, the la the la yeah. trattoria yeah the the restaurant yep all right anyway <laughs> the trattoria restaurant la, the la trattoria restaurant <laughs> the the restaurant restaurant anyway uh so oh, so that's okay. where we get this concept and we're going to talk about um uh, what Christ was speaking about in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, when Christ promised that he would give his power to the church. Uh, it's going to be awesome as we discuss this. Okay, so this is the first of several episodes. We're going to go uh, down the line. Um, we like to break up these theological episodes with some other Bible fun episodes, so you'll see them as they come. I did not know this is what we were talking about today, and this is fascinating because I just had a conversation with a friend 
and we are talking about when the church began. Ooh. And there is great debate over whether it began at Pentecost. Yep. Or before that with the disciples. Yep. Or later after Pentecost. So yep. I don't even know if we're going to get into that. Oh, I think we are. Are we? I, well, well, let's see where this road leads us. But first, let's talk okay. about the definition of the church. Where do, where do we even get the word church? So ecclesia. I think we get from the Greek. What's that? <laughs> from the Greek. I've heard that it's the word ecclesia. Okay. And the Greek is church. Yeah. And uh, it means called out or separated. Did you know that, Josh? Yeah, a group of called out people. These is different, different, separated. Whoa, people? Uh, I thought a church was a building. No, a church is not a building. It's a people. They're what? called out. Right. So, But you have to understand this concept of a church, it's not necessarily, uh, or this word ecclesia, it was not necessarily designated only to groups of followers of Jesus early on. An ecclesia could have been an assembly of uh, people that were interested in... Um, uh, scooters. Scooters, yeah. Or people that were interested the in... Scooter Club, the Ecclesia Scooter Club. The Ecclesia Scooter Club. Or the Scooter or, Ecclesia. What is going on with you in scooters right now? I don't know. It's just, that's what came to mind. Right. I saw a guy riding on a scooter the other day, and it was really small and still noisy. It was like making that head. noise. Yeah. So, yeah, we would say any any group of people at this time in, in Greek culture, anybody that would have been interested in a particular thing, they would it would have been like called a club. Mm-hmm. So this was a called out group of people that were interested in um, in whatever it might be. They're they're interested in uh, cosplay, right? You see a group of people out there pl- swinging their swords in the yep. park. That that is an ecclesia. Uh, you see a group of people out playing baseball on the field, and they're all baseball enthusiasts. That's an ecclesia. So it's a called out group who was assembled for a specific thing. For us, ecclesia is a called out group of people who are interested in Jesus Christ and His doctrines. Interesting. All right, so. So where do we get the word church, though? Because that doesn't come from ecclesia. Where do we get the word church? That actually is from an old German word. What? Um, yes. Uh, so the translation from ecclesia into German is kirk, right? And so the this way they would say like kirk. sounds like something you're making up. No, it's not something I'm making up. Kirk, which means captain, like captain of the kirk. enterprise. <laughs> That's right. That's or Kirk Douglas. Long way to Long way to get to that uh, joke there. But it's true. A uh, German word meaning Kirk, and this is where we get our English word church from. Okay, now, it didn't start with the German word, right? They translated it from Greek right, or correct. something like that. That's how the Greeks would have, w- that's how the Germans would have understood the, the word uh, ecclesia. Okay, and that word means belonging to the Lord. So yes. it's a group that was called out belonging to the Lord. That's what a church is. All right. We're not so, just a club, is. a social club. We are a group called out because we are separated for the Lord. Okay, so that leads us to what specifically is the church, not just the word, but like what what is it? What is the essence? What's, what's the concept of what the church is? And so now we're going to talk about um, the difference between the universal church or what we would call what I, I really like to call the global church or family of God mm. and uh, and the local church. And I would say, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this because we haven't talked a lot about this doctrine, and that's why we do the podcast. Um, I think the Bible gives a heavy, heavy emphasis on local church ministry with an overarching uh, goal toward a global focus. What is your thoughts on that? I agree with that. So I think years ago... I would have said differently. Mm. So fast forward um, when I was really still young and wet behind the ears in ministry. Um, 
that's a southern colloquialism. Say, what does that mean, <laughs> wet behind the ears? I, I've heard that before, but I know it means new to something. I'm saying like literally. Like where does it come yeah, from? Where does that come from? Is that like a cow I don't thing? Know. I feel like it's a cow Cows thing. don't have wet ears, I don't think. I think still going to look it up. No, I don't know where that comes from. But when I was young mm. and ignorant, right? Um, I, I know my focus was very much on what does God want accomplished on this earth. And so I was looking at the broader thing, but over time I've seen that he really does use groups of people together at places to accomplish a larger ministry. So the way I can be most effective globally is by getting involved locally with a group around me for accountability, for support, for prayer, and then together we accomplish more. Crystal, did you find out what it's from? Google says the Google the a newborn baby. A newborn baby. Ew. Oh, yuck! Dry the dry them behind the Is ears. Is that like a problem if you don't dry them behind the no, ears? No, I remember this now because you were you know, you were busy doing other things when the baby came, and I like I remember having seen the baby and you were on the bed, yeah. and all that white stuff, and I do remember the ears are stuck to the skull, and there's junk in the ba- they're cleaning off the baby and stuff, and they. They clean the stuff out from under the oh, ears. Oh, and so then their ears are yeah. wet because right. they've been cleaned. They're brand new. No, no, because it's still gunky, uh, wet stuff behind the ears. The stuff, yeah. Sorry, it's kind of gross. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, so what are we talking about when it comes to this a global church or what we would call universal church? Some have called universal church. Some people really don't like the phrase universal church. And the reason they don't like it is because it's it it's uh, it can be associated with Catholicism, um, in like fact, too the ecumenical. word Catholic. Well, no, literally, as in the word Catholic means universal. Um, so Catholic mm. and universal are 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 the same I word. Didn't realize that. And so some people want to say, well, we don't we, we don't like. Well, we're not talking about Catholic dogma or Catholic doctrine. We're saying that there's a sense that everyone who has ever been saved is part of a group. Now the question is, what do we call that group? Some uh, prefer to that prefer to call that group the family of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't mind necessarily calling it a church because there are aspects um, of this family of God that is written in the Lamb's Book of Life that Jesus, I think, is referring to that group in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18 when he says, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So uh, according to this, there is something coming called the church that the gates of hell cannot defeat. Now, could that be a local church? I don't know. Throughout history, there have been a lot of local churches who have closed and have failed. So it would appear that that local assembly, maybe the gates of hell did prevail. I don't know. I, that's, that's a, but we do know this family of God, this, this global group of people that will one day stand before God himself, the gates of hell. So I think maybe Jesus is referring to, personally, I believe Jesus is referring to this, this church as this global, historic present age, future age group of people we call the church. Okay, so I was starting to look this up on Strong's, but I'm just going to ask you. Yeah. So every time that the translators translate the word church, yeah. whether it's universal or local, it's the same word. Ecclesia. Ecclesia. No, I'm not going to, I don't know that. Uh, I would say the vast majority, yes. But oh, I'm sure that there I'm are Greek scholars up. listening to this that are shouting at their radio and their iPhone and saying, yes. Uh, but uh, I would love to hear from you, and that's why we'd love for you to comment in our Facebook page about that. So this is the idea. Um, we also see this this global, historic, and universal church being spoken of because it's uh, we see that uh, Paul 
the apostle was grieved because of the persecution of the church um, in general. Which again, that sounds yeah broad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, he said. He said, for example, in First Corinthians fifteen, for I am the least of the apostles. Uh, and I'm not me to be called the apostle because I persecuted the church of God. You say, what church did he persecute? Well, clearly Jerusalem. But the Bible says he wreaked havoc around not just Jerusalem, but around the region. Remember, he was on his way, um, on on the road, uh, on, on the way to persecute other churches. And so he was persecuting this, this group. Um, Galatians chapter 1 says, For ye have heard of my conversation in time past, how the, uh, how the Jews' religion, how— that beyond measure, I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. So I don't think here he's referring to a local assembly as much as uh, the church of God. So, yeah, those are those are my thoughts there. The church is called the body of well, Christ. Yeah, because we know he traveled, too, right. in his persecution. So there was not just one church. I mean, he was on the road to Damascus right. at one point. So... Right, precisely. So do we think this is a global? Yeah, I think there's a local emphasis, but there is a global or what some have referred to as a universal church. Um, Paul's writings even seem to indicate this. For example, in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, the savior of uh, the body. Um, He is the cornerstone of the church, Ephesians chapter 2. Are these all local places? Of course, Christ ought to be the cornerstone of a local assembly. He ought to be the bridegroom of a local church but it seems to be a conglomerate a a connection of 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 one so yeah he gave himself for the church ephesians chapter five right so um those are those are the thoughts on why we would say maybe maybe there's a concept of yes there is a universal or global church as well as an heavy heavy emphasis though on the local church yeah and you can see that throughout scripture um, just to give you an update, I couldn't resist. I went on Strong's, and it does appear that every time we have the word church, whether it's local or the larger universal church, it is the same Greek word. So, Then how would you know the difference? That's the question. That is a question. And the answer would be context. What, what does the context seem that's referring to? When Paul says, I wasted, made havoc of the church, is that just the Jerusalem church or is that the body of Christ? Um, or whenever Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, is he saying, I will just build the church of Jerusalem? Um, if not, why didn't he use the plural churches? I will build my churches and the gates of hell shall not prevail against them. Um, so that would be where much of the argument goes. But So that's the global church. Now let's talk about the local church. This is what we and I have spent our entire lives um, really focusing on at least the last 15 years on a local church level and then in hopes of the future trying to help more of a global church effort. What, let's talk about that. What do we know about the local church? Well, we know that the majority of times so that the Bible references the use of the word church, it refers to a local congregation of believers. Uh, they meet in a given locality for the purposes outlined in Acts 2, 42 through 47. Right. They're supposed to come together for the breaking of bread, for prayer, for the teaching mm-hmm. of the Word of God, yeah. to love each other, support each other, and bear each other's burdens. Yeah. So there was a local church at Jerusalem. Yes, in Jerusalem, but we also see a local church at Samaria in Acts chapter 8, in Judea in Acts chapter 5 through 7, and then all around the earth in Acts chapter 9 through 28. So the heavy emphasis of the book of Acts is the planting of local churches around the world even whenever you get to the book of revelation the book of revelation is written specifically to seven local churches Mm -hmm. and Smyrna and Pergamos and Thyatira and and Laodicea so the the heavy emphasis of the new testament is the local church 
But let's talk about the church yeah. in Antioch specifically. Cause well, that I want to start with Jerusalem because I have a question about okay, it. Go. Okay, so I've heard this. Yeah. Do you think that persecution was brought on by the Lord to spread the gospel? Because yeah. they were ignoring his command to go throughout the entire earth and being content with their church at Jerusalem? Because I've heard that stated. I'm kind of like... Was that really what? I mean, I know the gospel did spread. God used a bad thing to produce something good. So I would say this, no. And the reason I say no is because the Bible, I think I agree. The Bible teaches us that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. I don't know that God would want us to love our wives by, um, by necessarily bringing pain into their life in order to manipulate them to do what they wanted, the husband wanted them to do. So what we're saying is God, the bridegroom of the church, Jesus, the bridegroom of the church, purposefully brings pain into the life of the people in order to manipulate them to do what he wants them to do. I don't think that's what's happening. I think the devil is actively fighting against the church, and God allows that in his sovereignty so that he can utilize and turn all bad things into good things. And so his sovereignty is not that he does bad things. His sovereignty is that he—, he um, in the midst of allowing bad things can transform even bad things into good things. That's mm -hmm. what I would say. Yes, I think I agree with that. Do you think had persecution not come that the gospel they would have spread beyond? Or do you think that's really that statement is true that they were content? And Yeah, just... I, here's, here's the problem. I think eventually maybe they would have, but I do think it, um, it uh, hastened the process. So Tertullian was one of the very first Christian historians. And he looked back. Um, after the first century and a half of Christian history and said it was the blood of the martyrs that became the seed of the church. Mm. And uh, every time a Christian was martyred, um, it, it's, it, it's, it passed uh, the seeds of the gospel all around the world. Mm. And it makes sense, right? Because the families in Jerusalem, they had to get out of there, man. And then they went up to Antioch and, and Samar uh, Samaria, and uh, the persecutions came, and suddenly families with their children spread all around Europe and into Africa and into Asia, spreading the gospel of Jesus with them. Mm. Yeah. Really interesting. Okay, I'm ready to talk about Antioch now. Antioch is the great church of the New Testament. It is not given enough due. But this is where the Bible says this is where Christians were first called Christians in Antioch. And that's why some people say the church started here, huh? Yeah, let's talk about that. So when did the church start? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I got to so be honest. So what have you heard? I hadn't really thought about this much till the other day. And um, so I'm trying to think. I think I've, I've heard that when Jesus gathered the disciples, that was the first church. I don't think I agree with that. Well, here's the argument that, that is stated. Uh, Jesus and Peter are talking. And... Um, Peter, Jesus says, hey, who do people say that I am? And some say, oh, some say you're John the Baptist, reincarnated. Some say you're Elijah. Sometimes you're this and that and the other. And Jesus looks and says, well, who do you think I am? And Peter says, well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says, um, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter, but my father, which is in heaven. And thou art, then he says, thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it some people the earliest earliest some people say this is the actual establishment of the church when paul when peter is with his disciple when jesus is with his disciples he looks at peter and says this is the establishment um and i'm going to establish my church on you that's interesting yeah i'm slightly more convinced 
now that that was the beginning. Oh, really? Well, do you want? Do you, what? What are the other spots? Um, another one is, of course, at Pentecost. I don't really know the argument there. Okay. Because I just heard this thrown out, and we didn't really talk well, about it. Well, let's go to the next argument. The next one, chronologically, people would say the establishment of the church is in the upper room. So Jesus is with his disciples, and he gives the what's called the upper room discourse. This is just hours before Judas betrays him. This mm-hmm. is where we have the first institution of the Lord's Supper, yeah. right? So communion, very important to the church. Um, Ooh, that's he a ha- good point. Right. Now I'm leaning this way. Yeah, Go yeah. Ahead. It's very. And what does he do here? He says, look, no longer are you my servants, but now are you my friends. And he talks about bearing each other's burdens and loving each other Ooh, and serving each other. very local church. Yeah, and he gets down <laughs> on his knees and he washes their feet. And and then he, then the, this is very important. He, he looks at them and he breathes on them the Holy Ghost. I thought that happened after his ascension. Right before he ascended, after he rose from the dead, does it not? Is that at that point? Um. Oh my word. Uh, okay, you're right. No, you're you're 100 right. That happens right before the ascension, after the resurrection. Um, I was just studying that out last week. That's the only reason I know that, oh. and because it's a very interesting thing. I never, I've never seen that where he says, "Receive ye the Holy Ghost," and he breathes on them, and then the yeah. Holy Ghost comes a few. Right, which is always very confusing. Well, yeah, the, nonetheless, that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> great point. So the upper upper room discourse. Still very some would say local churchy. Maybe that's when the local church began. Okay. Then the next one would be Pentecost. So Christ dies, he's buried, rises from the grave. And what's the argument with Pentecost? Because the Holy Ghost. The is Holy Ghost arrives. Right. And and he was present before. Well, but. and you see, you see in Acts chapter two, verses uh, what was stated a moment ago, forty-one to forty-seven. Where, where it's very, or 42 to 47, it really describes the local church. It really describes what they're doing at Jerusalem. And the Holy Ghost is there in a very, very powerful and obvious way. So a lot of people would put that. But then, lastly, you said there's an argument for later on. And I don't, I don't think I buy this, because how can you deny what happens at Jerusalem? I mean, the argument, isn't there an argument, or am I wrong in thinking this? Because, I, like I said, I'm new to this discussion. Yeah. But that the church started at Antioch, because that's where they were first called Christians. Well, no, because Christian and church, I would say no to that. The reason I would say no Does is— Does anyone Christ- try to argue that, or I just imagine No, some that. do, yeah. Okay. Um, Christian and church, uh, they would say that's the beginning of the Gentile church, but the Christian and church Ooh. are synonymous, but they're not that's necessarily good, synonymous. Good, so I, 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 I'm not going to ma- take a stand on which one, because honestly, oh, um, I think so it's tough. interesting. I don't know, but they, there are three aspects of the beginning of the church. If you look at the book of Acts, you see the church of Jerusalem, Acts chapter 2, the church at Samaria, Acts chapter 8, and the Gentile church, Acts chapter uh, 10 and 11. Um, and Peter, by the way, is, um, interestingly enough, present at each of those events. And why is I he— I never knew that. Right. Why is he, uh, why is he necessarily he's present? he's the Pope. Because he's the Pope. No. <laughs> <laughs> because Jesus said— His soul among this, the prophets— <laughs> Jesus says, upon this rock— Throwback to the last last episode. you got to go listen. Go ahead. Jesus uh, Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church, Peter. And uh, and it's just interesting. I mean, it's an interesting thing that Peter happens to be at the establishment of the Jerusalem church, at the establishment of the Sumerian church, and at the establishment of the Gentile church. Now I want to go back and read my Bible and circle Peter. Okay, now I have to say something. Yeah. So I just studied this out yesterday. And this is something I don't fully have the answers to, and I was talking over— with some friends and you and I have not talked about it, but when we're studying the Holy spirit, there's this crazy thing that happens in Samaria. They get saved and they don't get the Holy spirit right away. Yeah. That's an Acts eight. Right. Not until Peter and the apostles come from Jerusalem. 
and lay hands on them, then That's they the get the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And it doesn't seem that God does that with any other group. Everybody else, as soon as they're regenerated, they are the baptized answer, in the Spirit, they have the Spirit immediately. The answer that I would have is because mm-hmm. Peter has to be the arbiter. Um, so th- because the Samaritans were not Jewish, yeah. first of all, J- Peter had to be there for the Jerusalem church or for mm-hmm. the Jewish church to begin. He had to be there for the Samaritan church to truly begin, and he had to be there for the Gentile church to truly begin. That's why, so Peter is the connecting link between Jesus and these churches. And so that's why. And so you're saying Samaritans aren't Gentile? They did not consider themselves Gentile, and the Jews didn't consider them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in the book of Acts, there's a clear separation between Jew, Samaritan, and Gentile. Now, the Jews would have said, yeah, they're Gentile. Okay, now this is interesting because I heard a different theory. I'm glad to hear it. I've only heard one real theory. Well, no, I've heard two. One's very charismatic, and it's not biblical at all, saying that the Samaritans were getting, you know, the Holy Spirit, like, as a second filling. You know, they were, it's a totally, I I believe heresy is not true. But the only theory I've heard is different from what you said. It doesn't have to do with Peter. It had to do with the fact that the believers in Jerusalem needed to see the apostles were there, and the Holy Spirit came. It yeah, gave credence to yeah. them because it would be easy to reject them and say, no, they're not part of us. They're not, you know, Christians. They are not part of the church. And then when the apostles go there in the Holy Spirit, they see the Holy Spirit come upon them. Yeah, the it aspect of apostolic authority. But I like the Peter thing, too. I think I think that maybe it's a little of both. The, the idea of apostolic authority is brought on by the Apostle Paul more than anybody. And he basically says, hey, because I'm an apostle, you got to listen to me. And so there's definitely credence to that. All right, let's talk about I the— I haven't told you I've started to like Paul. Really? Yeah. Someone oh. the other day was telling me—they were talking. It was She was teaching and talking about the passion that Paul had and how he he just loved the believers and weeping yeah. for them. And there was a lot of things I'm like, oh, Paul. Nice and guy. it's the first time I've felt that. So I think I'm coming around. Well, you probably— old Paul. Good old Paul. Good old Paul. And Paul knew that the Lord set up the church for a specific purpose. Right. In fact, five purposes. Yeah, what are they, Josh? All right, let's talk about these five purposes of the church. They can be found in the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. Very Ooh. simple. The book of Matthew. Great Commandment, love the Lord your God with and love others. Love God, love others. Yeah, Great Commandment, love God, love others. And then the Great Commission, which is Matthew chapter 28, go make disciples, baptize them, teach them to follow all things. So what in here we, we can find the five main purposes of the church. And the great commandment says, love God, love others. To love God, how do we demonstrate our love to God? How worship. Do we, to worship. So one of the main purposes of the church is to worship God. This is incredibly important because what if we just served others? What if we just told other people about Jesus? What if we just spent time with other Christians, but we never spent time worshiping God? Mm. You know, we talk about this a lot at Southern Hills, that there are many ways that we worship God, yeah. right? Yeah. We worship him um, by coming in the music, hearing the preaching, yeah. um, and giving. Giving is an act of worship. Prayer we all often is an act that. of worship. Mm-hmm. Um, singing to him is an act of worship. All of these things are, and, and this is one of the, the ways in which, how do you love the Lord your God with all your heart? How do you demonstrate that? Through acts of worship. And, you know, um, the second aspect that you see in the Great Commandment is not just to love God. We love God through worship, but we love others. How do we yeah. how do we show our love to others? By serving others. Yeah. So it's important. That's why I think the we were talking about the universal church versus the local church. That's why I think the local church is so important because it is that chance to really put feet to your faith and go and be obedient and serve someone else right. by working in nursery, by being a greeter at the church. 
by going with that small group and working in the community or at the rescue mission. So I think that's so important. Yeah, if you're not ministering, if the church is not actively engaged in ministering to others, uh, we're talking about specifically the church ministering to the Mm -hmm. church, ministering to others within the church, and ministering outside of the church. If we're not doing that, the church is not accomplishing its purposes. Yeah, like a small group. I I love that, the small group aspect in our church. Some of the best testimonies of service actually don't come from just ministry-related things, but from a person in my small group was hurting. They lost a loved one or went through a hard time or a surgery, and we all made them food, and we gathered around them and prayed. And Right. Yeah, serving one another. So we have worship. We have ministry or service. The third purpose of the church is found in the Great Commission when Jesus says, Go ye therefore and make disciples. Um, and so here we see uh, evangelism, the purpose of making disciples for Jesus Christ. And uh, so this is a main aspect of the church. One of the incredible aspects of the church is to go and tell people about Jesus Christ, go in the highways and hedges and compel them to come in and reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. And then also, what's after that? Fellowship. Because I couldn't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Fellowship. That's an important part. You know, that's one that sometimes those of us um, that are, whether we're introverted or our spiritual gifts are just stronger in other areas— we can neglect this one sometimes, the idea of I don't really need that fellowship. And that's not true. We're not meant to do this Christian life alone. We're meant to live in community. Yeah, Christianity was never established to be done by yourself. Mm-hmm. It was it was established to have fellowship with the brethren and that we as a local body, and we're going to talk about the symbolism in future episodes, the body of Christ working yeah. together as one. Um, and we have this found in the Great Commission. It says, go and bap- make all disciples. Uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. When we baptize somebody, it's very symbolic because it not only reminds people of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, it brings them into the fellowship of the body of believers. And that leads us to the fifth purpose of the church, and that's discipleship. discipleship. Yeah, that's an important one. That's one dear to my heart, but training them, helping them grow as believers. Yeah, teaching them the, the purposes of Jesus Christ it, uh, and the words of Jesus Christ. It's not enough that we just bring them into heaven and bring them into salvation, but that we teach them. And here's the thing, you'll find, a good church strives to be balanced in all five of these, attempts to do all of these simultaneously. You'll find some churches that are incredibly gifted at worship. I mean, that's what they do. Uh, but uh, maybe to the mm. lack of discipleship yeah. uh, or, uh, or evangelism. Uh, maybe you find a church that's really good at serving in the community and serving each other. But uh, they really are not really good at, uh, uh, they're not really good at uh, worship. They're not really spending time going before the Lord. Maybe they're really good at evangelism and bringing people to Jesus, but they're not teaching them the depths of the truth of the Word of God. Yeah, a healthy church, a healthy body yeah. has all these aspects running yeah. effectively. And that's something we evaluate quite a bit. And I want to encourage you, a lot of you are in ministry, whether it's on the foreign mission field or here in the States. Um Evaluate that. Say, what is it, Lord? Show us, in our, is our church healthy? Are there any areas that we need to grow in? Maybe as a family, you sit back and say, or as an individual, what areas am I? Am I um, really engaging with the local church in all of these areas? Or is there an area that I've kind of been separating myself or holding back? Lord, I want to be a healthy Christian. We want to be a healthy church. I love it. Fantastic. That is the church. We're going to talk more about that in a few 
uh, episodes upcoming. But uh, until then, I want to thank you for listening to episode 51 of the Bible Talks with Josh and Heather. Yes. And we're so glad you listened, and we want to ask you to do something for us. Make sure that you subscribe to this podcast. Oh, yeah. If you hit that subscribe button, then every time an episode drops, it will download automatically to your phone. That'll be awesome, and we will look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks again for listening, and remember, when the Bible talks, we better listen. Hey, we want to invite you to something very exciting. Yeah, if you love the Bible Talks, then you're going to love the opportunity to take a trip with us to Israel. Come to the Holy Land with Josh and Heather. We're going to be going November 3rd through the 13th in 2019. All you have to do to sign up is call the church offices at 702-388-7422 and speak with Melanie Graves. Yeah, we really want to encourage you to come with us. It is so much fun seeing the land of the Bible. And it's an incredible price. For only $3,800 per seat, pays for your flight, your hotel room fees, and every aspect, all-inclusive, food and everything. We're going to have a fantastic time. Now, we've been several times, and we cannot wait to go back and looking forward to seeing you join us in the great land of Israel.